Okay, how you doing, everybody? And welcome to episode number... 101, 101, uh, like PCH 101 uh, of the John Riley Project. It is Tuesday, dis- not December, it's January 6th, 2020. And guess who's here in town to talk sports? None other than Mr. David Leland. How you doing, Dave? Good. How about you? All right, man. Uh, geez, so much been going on in the world of sports. You were, you were here about, what, maybe a month ago? Yeah. And December is always action-packed. I mean, there's just so much going on. But you know, before we get into sports, man, what's... What's going on in your world? I mean, I, you you're breathing sports twenty four seven, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get much uh, activity for other things, huh? Not really. Though had a had a fun Christmas with both my mom's family and my dad's family. Nice, nice. Did you guys go out of town, or everyone yeah. came here? Uh, we went to San Maria, where my mom's from, for um to for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Did yeah. that with her family. Then went up to see my dad's family in Sebastopol. My grandpa lives in Sebastopol. About hour-ish northeast of San Francisco, and all my dad's siblings and their families were there. It was a lot of fun. Nice. And so, wait, so Sebastopol is, yeah, up in Marin on the coast. And then, I'm sorry, your mom's family is where? Santa Maria. Santa Maria. It's an hour north of Santa Barbara. Yeah, like near San Luis Obispo. Yeah, kinda. it's kind of in between Santa Barbara yeah. and San Luis Obispo. One of my um, one of my high school friends lives in Santa Maria, and he's a chiropractor, and he has a vineyard, and he grows wa- grapes and makes his own wine. So kind of a cool area there, too. So right on. All right, well, welcome back. Um, got so much to talk about. You know, football, NFL, Aztecs, we got Padres, we got Aztec basketball. I mean, look at you. You're wearing the basketball, Aztec basketball shirt and the new Padre hat. Mm-hmm. So, wh- which one you want to pick first? Well, how about Aztec basketball? Fifteen and zero, number seven in the nation after the big win at Utah State on Saturday night with nice. no Nathan Bensa, no one a rope. And then I see a Utah State fan saying, "Oh, I would have liked to see that game if uh, Keita or whatever the seven two center's name, yeah. however you say his I name, think it's Keita. Keita, yeah." I saw Utah State fans saying, oh, I would have liked to see that game when we were healthy. And I replied <laughs> to the guy, yeah, we didn't have Mensa or Rope at all. So you really want to see that? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it was and the just. the game's here. So that was at their place. That's yeah. a huge win. That's a tough environment to play. I mean, it's. I remember they were talking about how it's a really low ceiling. So the sound really bounces around. The student section is. I mean, arguably as good or if not more energetic than the show. I mean, it's yeah, a big time student you, session. You probably saw this on the broadcast on Saturday, too, how weird that arena looks on TV because of that low ceiling. Yeah. So I, I, it must be just louder than you know what in there. So <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, but, I mean, the Aztecs were in control the whole game. Yeah, they let it get a little closer than they would have liked after being up 16. But, hey. As long as you get the wins, it doesn't matter. I mean, Gonzaga's number one. They beat Pepperdine by five at home on Saturday night. So you're not always going to blow teams out like you should. I mean, and that was a good Utah State team, mm-hmm. and it was at their place. So just being them at all was great. You can't be picky about how you win. You just got to get the wins. You're not always going to have your A game like we saw against San Jose State. Yeah, really. But, you know, um, I, I just seemed like in that game, Utah State would start to kind of creep up a little bit, maybe get it into single digits, like down seven or six. And then Mitchell or Shackle would just hit a dagger and then, yeah. you know, boom, they're back up to I double the, digits. I think the one that really put it away was, what was it, like a minute and a half, minute 45 left. Malachi drove. We kicked it out to Shackle for the three and he drained it. Yeah. That was the dagger right there. Yeah. Because then, they, you know, they started fouling and were being kind of tryhards and got with a nine because they kept fouling, even though it was pretty much over. <laughs> there was there was a moment, I don't know if we're talking about the same play, but there 
probably this was earlier in the game when, you know, Malachi, I think, had three fouls by this point. It was in the second half and he drove um, and there were like two or three defenders wait, ready to take the charge. And he saw it and he just hit a jump stop and planted and then kicked it out because he knew if he would have gone all the way in, it would have been the fourth foul. So he's a heady player, smart. Not only not only a smart player, a great player, too. So I've I've seen people online comparing him now to Steph Curry. What do you think of that? <laughs> That's a little bit crazy. But I did like John Schaefer of um, Extra 1360, I think it was. He mm-hmm. was saying how Malachi should get All-American consideration. I kind of agree with that. I mean, because he's, you know, that guard for like one of the most undefe- for one of the most surprising best teams out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just been fantastic. Um, and, you know, we saw him a couple of years ago when he was with Washington State, and he was damn good then. But he's better yeah, now. Yeah, he lit us up in the, I think it was the Fullerton Classic Championship, John Wooden Classic in Fullerton. Yeah, we were there. Um, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Do you ever make that trip up to Cal State Fullerton? I mean, you're like first row, second row. What a great way to f- see a game. But, yeah, he lit us up. Um, but I think he's he's much better now. He's just a more mature player. He's better than I thought i mean i thought when when he transferred i thought he was just a shooter no he's an all-around player mm-hmm. he's fantastic so still i'm wondering you know we, with this focus on this year but you can't help but wonder will he be with us next year do you think he'll enter the draft i don't think he's like a leave early for the draft kind of guy so i i would expect him back next year okay so um yeah i think four of the starters were in double digits i believe that's correct too yeah so and then even um uh Pulliam, Trey Pulliam, he had a nice game. He really did. You know, I think he I, had, I like him better than Fagan personally. I think he's better than Fagan personally. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not as much of a leader on the court, but um, Pulliam's got great handles. I mean, whenever he's on the court, he is the undisputed point guard. They always immediately give it to him. Absolutely. Um, and he had, I think, like five assists, maybe. In yeah, the game. that sounds about right. Yeah, and his floater, he was dropping it in. So mm-hmm. yeah, he had a great game. Yeah. Mitchell stepped up big, too, since they put him in the lineup. I know we talked earlier in the year about should he be starting. Mm-hmm. He's kind of had to with Mensa out the last two games, and he's been great those two games. So what happens when Mensa comes back? Does Mitchell go back to the bench? I mean, you were undefeated when Mensa was in there. and yeah. I think it depends on the team, though. Like, if you're playing Air Force, like, you know, they can't, they literally can't have big guys because you can only be a certain height to fit in a helicopter. Right. So when you play a team like that, then you start Mitchell because you don't need a big guy. Right. When you play teams like that, when you play Air Force. But for the most part, Mensa should start. Maybe if one team's really, really small, you start Mitchell. Can you, can you see a scenario where they'd start Mensa and then start Mitchell in place of Shackle? I can't see that. No. No. Um, but what what's the deal with Mensa? We're hearing different reports. I mean, upper respiratory. Some people have said a blood clot. I think the the team is careful on what they can say publicly. Yeah, but real- I do know he won't be playing our next game because he wasn't on the trip to a because Mark Ziegler said he wasn't on the trip to Logan. And since San Diego State is not in session right now, I imagine they're staying out there instead of coming all the way back to San Diego. Mm-hmm. And if he's not on the trip for that, then obviously he won't be there when we play at Wyoming on Wednesday. But I think some people are saying he could be out. I mean, worst case scenario, he could miss the rest of the year. It's that serious of an issue. That would be a big time bummer. But we had we have the depth to cover for that, though. And, and a rope is going to come, come back soon. So when is he forecasted to come back? They, they were hoping he would return for the Utah State game. Obviously, that didn't happen. He was on the trip, though, so maybe he'll 
come back Wednesday against Wyoming. I can't imagine he's far off, though. Right on. Um, it's been about a month since the injury, so I imagine he's not far off. Yeah, he would have. I mean, he'd be a great addition when he comes back. I mean, just huge energy when he's on the court. Um, so to Wyoming, so how do you think the Aztecs look on their trip to Laramie? Well, we all know how tough it is to play at Laramie because the elevation and, you know, it's it's Laramie. But Wyoming's horrible this year, but I still think this is not an easy game just because, you know, trap game coming off the big win. Laramie's a tough place to play. Although this team won at BYU, won at Utah State. Doesn't seem like the altitude really bothers them, so they have that going for us. But still, with the travel in this conference, there's no easy road games. So how how do the Aztecs actually get to Laramie? And I know they've there's been the stories of the charter jet, but otherwise they would what fly into Denver, right? From, then, from Laramie, does is there like no airports in the entire state of Wyoming? Well, well, there are, but I think what they've done in the past is if the weather's decent, they'll fly into Denver and then they'll go north and go over the mountains um, on a charter bus. But if the weather is really ferocious, that's when they use their their one or two charter plane flights that they have money for. And there was that one game, it was maybe three years ago or so, when they were flying in the storm and they had to stop in Utah to refuel. Do you remember that story? I do. Yeah. They were on their way to Laramie for that one. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how they get there this year. Um, What? The, what was the year that they were in, known as visiting, um, what was the year that they were in Laramie, they only scored nine points in the first half? I was. I would guess that would be the 12-13 season would be my best guess mm-hmm. on that one. That was the most frustrating game to watch. I couldn't, that, we, we couldn't shoot the ball back then. Um, so. This team doesn't lack scoring, that's for sure. So what's what's Wyoming's record, do you know? It's pretty bad, and they've they lost to Utah Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, at home, they lost to somebody else that's really bad, and they needed overtime to beat um, University of Denver. So, okay, they're not very good, but again, playing Laramie, you can never take that for granted. Okay, so then Wyoming, and then Saturday night they come back home to play Boise State. That's correct. So, how do you like that game? I like that game. You know, back at home, you know, should be a big crowd again. We've been getting big crowds the last couple games, mm-hmm. and I think they sold out the game against uh, Fresno State. Right. So I I think we're going to get some some uh you mean some more sellouts yeah absolutely I, I imagine almost every game will be close to sold out the rest of the way right on um all right so uh, yeah the Aztecs it seems like they're getting a lot more respect from the national media absolutely um you're, you're seeing people talking about them as you know could run the table could be a number one seed in March Joe Lenardi has us as a two right now mm hmm. Playing, um, I think it's UC Irvine is the, would be the 15 we'd play in Sacramento. That guy's great. I mean, he what creates his bracket like mm-hmm. before the season even begins, yeah. and he just updates it what week, weekly or so. I think he said every Tuesday and Friday, rest of the way. Amazing. Um, yeah, so this I mean, this is setting up to be a magical season, and if they're a, a, I think a one through a four seed, then they'll stay on the West Coast. Absolutely, yeah. So that'd be good. I got us finishing. 30-2 and two at the end of the Mountain West Tournament. I think we'll lose the 29th at New Mexico because they play at UNLV on the 26th before that. Mm-hmm. And then one more loss somewhere mixed in the rest of the way. So finish the regular season, 27-2. and two. Then I think we win the Mountain West Tournament. So we'll be 30-2 and two Mountain West regular season and tournament champions going into the ter- NCAA Tournament. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think... Running the table is just too much to ask. It's too hard in this conference with all the tough travel you got. Yeah. 
Exactly. And, and, and even with regular travel, I mean, it's college basketball. Like anything can happen, right? Yeah. Um, you were pretty good at picking the, the record for the football team. I was. Yeah. So maybe I'll be true on this too. <laughs> okay. I hope so. I'd love to be 30 and two and have a Mount West regular season and Mount West tournament championship. That'd be sweet. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, this is a great time of year, man. When the Aztecs are playing ball, um, love the basketball program. And then, you know, remember all those people like a year or two ago fired Dutcher? <laughs> like, where are those guys now? Yeah, there's talk about <laughs> national coach of the year for him now. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. So um, what else you got on the Aztecs? That's all I got on basketball. I think you hit on all my points. Mm-hmm. Aztec football. We didn't know what bowl game they were going to last time I was on. Turned out it was the New Mexico Bowl against Central Michigan, which was a really impressive win. I mean, oh, yeah. we did whatever we wanted against them. They had two really good running backs coming in. Other than that one big run, we shut those guys down. Mm-hmm. And we, what was the final score of the game? 48-11? to 11, We blew them out. Yeah. I mean, they had that one big play for a touchdown, but otherwise yeah. the defense just shut nice them down. Nice way to end the season. Great way to end the season for Jesse Matthews. What a story from walk-on freshman to our best wide receiver. And, he had a huge game, two touchdown receptions, one of them a really long one, offensive MVP. How about that? Right on. Great white end, an incredible story that his freshman season was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's special. Very special. Um, so um, what, what's going on in the Aztec program? Anything else you're hearing? Well, we got the graduate transfer, Jack Sears, the quarterback. He used to be a four-star at USC, never really got a chance there, but he did start one game in 2018 against Arizona State, went 20-28, 235 yards and two touchdowns. So maybe he can maybe he can play here. He's going to compete for the job. And then they have that other quarterback from Helix, right? Carson Baker, who started the BYU game, yeah. Yeah, so he's in the mix, and is there any other? They've got to have two. Or maybe Brookshire. Okay. The graduate from, I mean, not the graduate, the transfer from some community college. I forgot which one it was. Okay. So they've got, they got guys there that, that can step up. Yeah, we're going to need to because we're losing some key defenders. Tazino and um, Barku are gone. Yeah. So, well, Tazino's definitely a draft pick, right? Actually, I was reading something this morning that said he might not be, but every. But that was just this one like draft wire site. Everything else I've read assumes he's going to be like a late day two, early day three pick. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. Do you think Barku gets into the NFL? I haven't seen much on him, but I mean, when you have what eight or nine interceptions, I mean, you, you got to be considered, right? And I guess the last cornerback from San Diego State's doing damn well for Atlanta, right? Demonte Casey. He yeah. didn't have as good of a year this year, but he led the league in picks in 2018. Yeah, right on. So the, the Aztec, there's so many Aztec alumni. I mean, especially, you know, we were, we were talking about Strasburg and Kawhi and, and uh, you know, Marshall Falk, but now like Xander Shoffley even. Uh, did he win the golf tournament yeah, this Yeah, he did in Hawaii. Awesome. Yeah. I know he was, I saw he was a leader in the clubhouse on Saturday. That's awesome. I mean, I checked, you know, PGA.com and he, I think it was the final score. He was, he had won by one stroke. When I was watching on TV, they were going into extra what do they call it? It's not extra innings, but <laughs> when they have a tie after 18 holes. I think they just call it a playoff. Yeah, golf. playoff. Yeah. yeah. So he had, um, they were just going into the playoff, but I saw uh, you know, on the website that he won by a stroke. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, so the Aztecs, man, the program is just unbelievable. Yeah. Unfortunately for the Aztecs, we might be losing Rocky Long. Really? Yeah. Said he was looking for defensive coordinator jobs elsewhere. I know there's people... On social media, who I'm fired after every loss, which is one of the stupidest things. One of the things I hate about Twitter the most, honestly. Mm-hmm. How old is Rocky? He's got. I think he's in his late sixties. He might even be seventy. 
Okay. So I can't blame him. If he wants to leave for a less stressful job as a defensive coordinator for a Power 5 school, which probably pays better than being a head coach here in the Mount West. Probably, yeah. I can't, I can't really blame him for that, but I'd really miss him, everything he brought. I've talked about before, like the culture he brought, the defensive game planning and scheming, mm-hmm. how he made this team believe they were always going to find a way to win. I'm gonna, I'd, And all the Mount West championships and bowl games while he was here. I'd really miss all that if he went, so... I really hope he stays. My guess right now is if that's out there, he's interviewing for a Syracuse defense coordinator job today. I imagine if he gets a good offer, which he probably would. He's considered one of the best defensive minds in college football. He's probably gone. That really sucks, but I can't really blame him for it if that happens. And he's he's the innovator on defense, right? The th- Of the three three five defense, yeah. yeah. So I wonder if he would take that with him. Um, I guess it depends on the personnel that they have. I mean, if you're going to hire him as a defensive coordinator and you respect how great of a defensive mind everyone says he is, then you got to let him bring that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just say Rocky Long departs. Um, what what happens next? Uh, do we get Brady Hoke back again? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting to me is Darren Smith was – I don't even – I'm not really a fan of Darren Smith, but he does have pretty good information, so I'm going to run with this, is that he said he knows people that Kevin O'Connell would want to come back as their head coach. Nice. Now he's like a quarterback coach. Right? I think he was the interim offensive coordinator in Washington this year after they fired um, Jay Gruden and promoted Bill Callahan to so interim head coach. Redskins, not not uh, Huskies, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. NFL. Okay. Um, wow, it'd be great to have him back. He was a good quarterback for the Aztecs. Yeah. Unfortunately, he played at a time when we were under Chuck Long and we had nobody. Right. I remember when the Chargers were still here, and he was on the Chargers roster in the preseason. It was I think it was 2012, and the Chargers had you know injuries on the old line going into the first preseason game. And they're like, we don't want Rivers for even one series behind this line. And I remember one radio host was like, oh, just put Kevin O'Connell back out there. He's used to <laughs> running around like a chicken with his head cut off because nobody else is out there. <laughs> so that was the kind of era he played in. But yeah, he was a good quarterback for us. Now, I remember they were saying before that the Aztecs had four division one head coaches on the staff last year so imagine you know obviously if rocky left they'd have three remaining d1 head coaches but if they brought in kevin o'connell who had never been a head coach before do you think that might be disrespectful to the other coaches like like hoke uh, i don't think so i mean brady hoke you know he came back as he was willing to come back as a d-line coach for the guy who replaced him when he went to michigan so I think he understands. He knows. He he willingly came back to be an assistant under the guy who replaced him here. So, mm-hmm. all right, man. I guess we'll just see how it rolls. And out. one of those and one of those former D one head coaches is Jeff Horn. I could care less if he's gone. You know, I don't like <laughs> Jeff Horn as an offensive coordinator at all. Well, that's right. I think he's a huge part of the problem because the play calling is just way too predictable. Well, who was the other Division one head coach? If it's not Rocky or Brady or. You know the the offensive guy. What was what's his name again? Jeff, the offensive coordinator. Jeff Horton. Yeah, yeah, Horton. Okay, yeah. So who's the fourth D one coach? I honestly don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, all right, so I guess you know I would imagine you know the spring practices usually get going right after the combine, right? Yeah, and then the combine is in April. So it's in March actually. In March, so you and figure because the drafts in April. So you figure that if Rocky's going to switch, he's going to have to do it within the next 60 days. Yeah, I imagine by the end of this week, we'll know if he's staying here or leaving to be a defensive coordinator elsewhere. Right. And I want to I want to get a new head coach in here pretty quick so he can like build his own staff. Mm-hmm. 
because it seems like Kevin O'Connell and Jeff Horn's offensive philosophies went mesh. So if like we got Kevin O'Connell, which is the guy I think we'd get if Rocky were to go, I think he would want a new offensive coordinator, maybe a couple other coaching changes. So hopefully Rocky makes up his mind one way or the other soon so we can move forward before, you know, spring practice and recruiting. Who would you rather have, Kevin O'Connell or um, uh, or Rocky Long to stay? Who's what's your preference? I I I love Rocky Long. I wish he'd stay. I, I want him to stay here till he retired. So I don't want him to leave. Okay. Like even though he's not really the greatest recruiter at all, he's he develops guys. Like Pumphrey was a two star. Penny was a three star. Mm-hmm. So he can develop guys into good players, even if they're not highly recruited. Right on. Um. Now, the, all the you know all the bowl games have been going on. We, uh, we have any highlights of some of the games that uh, we've been seeing over the last month or so? Honestly, I haven't really been watching the bowl games. Besides the, I watched the Michigan Alabama one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I watched the semifinals and the Aztecs. Right. I mean, I think the national championship game is going to be terrific. LSU and Clemson. I think the Tigers are winning. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, they put up like 49 points in the first half of the semifinal, right? Yeah, it was. they put on a show. And I thought Clemson got a little lucky to get by Ohio State. So I'll lean LSU in this one. Okay. Um, when was the last time LSU won a national championship? It's been a long time. 2007. Okay. Was that, um, who was the quarterback that played there that went to the Raiders? Matt Flynn. No, no, another quarterback. He was a, he was the number one overall draft pick, and he was oh, Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, so, he was not there then. That was the year that Jamarcus Russell got drafted first overall by the Raiders. Actually, okay, that was Matt Flynn who replaced him, who was Rogers' backup in Green Bay, and then Wilson's backup in Seattle, and then Derek Carr's backup in Oakland. So was Flynn with LSU when they won the national championship? Yeah, he was their quarterback. He okay. replaced Jamarcus Russell. Okay, okay, now I get it. Um, so that game, I think, is. Today's Monday, the 6th, so it's like a week from today. Yeah, right? it's a week from today. That's a big gap in time. It's almost two weeks between games. Yeah, there's there's so much time between the end, the Commerce Championship game and the semifinals and then the semifinals in the championship. You're telling me they don't have enough room to make it eight teams? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They definitely need to make it eight teams. <laughs> they do. I mean, I'd like to see them go 16 teams. I would, too. I'd go 16 teams, you know, all 10 Commerce Championships and six at large. Yeah, that seems like a pretty easy thing, and then you just seed them appropriately and then run with it. I mean, you can't really. Everyone loves March Madness, and the Clemson against you know the Sun Belt championship would be the same as a one versus a sixteen in the round of sixty four. Everyone loves March Madness, so what's the deal? What's well, the big it, deal. It always comes down to money, right? And I think it's the bowl games and the people that run those bowls. They have such. You know, there's deep pockets behind them. You know, like the Rose Bowl committee. I mean, they've been around forever, right? Yeah, it'd be hard to, you know. Make the Rose Bowl a, um, you know, a play-in game or something. You know, they wouldn't do. Well, it. what I was thinking was, you know, you'd have the one sixteen, you know, two fifteen. You know, you'd have those games at the campus site or the home stadium of the higher seed, and then do what you do now, where the semifinals are a certain bowl okay. and then national championship. Yeah, that could work. That could work. Um, right on. So, um, yeah. So the the national championship will be in a week, and we got college basketball going on so what else is on your mind well Padres are always on my mind being here Mm -hmm. in San Diego and they made a trade actually just hours after we recorded our last podcast okay and which trade was that Tommy Pham trade with Tampa Bay ah that's right yeah I'm a big big fan of this trade right on so tell me break it down for us so we traded Hunter Renfro and Xavier Edwards for him and we know how Blake Snell feels about Xavier Edwards (laughs) right (laughs) so I 
Renfro is a platoon player to me, and you know he doesn't draw walks. You know he strikes out a ton. Mm-hmm. You know, fun fun player hits a lot of home runs, but he's a platoon player. He only hits against right hand pitching. That's the kind of guy we're trying to move away from. Low on base guys like that, right? And I like Xavier Edwards as a prospect, but I didn't love him. It's not like he's a Mackenzie Gore, Patino, or CJ Abrams. He's certainly not in that class at all. I, I would rather I'd even rather have Ryan Weathers over at him, and we still have all those guys. I liked Edwards; I wasn't like attached to him, so I would have preferred he stayed. But to trade him and Renfro for a guy like Tommy Pham, that's the kind of guy we need. You know, he he's a guy. You know, he gets on base, and he's got that little bit of he's a competitor. He's got that edge to him, right? Like Kevin Kiermeyer was saying, he he's never played with a more intense teammate than Tommy Pham. I mean, I was reading a biography about Fam, and I guess he's from the Las Vegas area. He is, and you know, he his father was in jail, and he had a very difficult childhood. But he was driven, he was passionate, and he just wanted to get better. And he and I think he has a tattoo that says "Believe in Yourself" on his. I don't shoulder. know if you saw this when it got retweeted onto the timeline after we traded for him. Mm-hmm. Was the interview from after Game Four of the Division Series when we hit the leadoff home run off Verlander? Right. And he was saying, the guy, the interviewer, I think it was maybe Ken Rosenthal or John Morosi, I forgot who it was, asked him, so, well, anyone you want to thank? He's like, well, I could thank a lot of people, but I thank myself because I would, you know, throw the ball up to myself and hit it. I'd yeah. throw the ball against the wall and yeah. throw it back. So I could thank other people, but I was driven to make myself better. And I was I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I like that kind of attitude a guy. We need a guy like that, the, just a gamer, a grinder, you know. Yeah. And in Tampa Bay, he would get on his teammates if they were slacking off. And I like that. We need that in here. We do. That's part of the culture change I'm hoping that Jace Tingler brings in. So right. Tommy Pham's going to be a big part of that. In addition to, as a player, he's the kind of guy we need. You know, he draws walks. He doesn't strike out. He doesn't swing at pitches outside the strike zone. That's the kind of guy we need. We have so many guys who are just free swingers, like well, Renfro, the, like guy, Renfro. We, yeah, the exactly. guy we traded yeah. for him. So I just love that we're getting a player like Tommy Pham, who's got an edge like that, who can help not only the lineup, but change the culture, too. And I'm really liking the lineup that I would put out there now. Okay. Now you got Tommy Pham. This is how I'd go. I'd have Trent Grisham leading off in center field. Fernando Tatis Jr. hitting second, playing shortstop. Tommy Pham hitting third, playing left field. Manny Machado cleaning up at third base. Eric Hosmer hitting fifth, playing first base. A platoon of Franchi Cordero and Will Myers in right field hitting sixth. Francisco Mejia hitting seventh. And Jerks and Profar hitting eighth. That's a good lineup. I do like that lineup. I mean, it's not... There's still, you know, question marks in there, but there's definitely upside as well. So Grisham, leadoff hitter, he's a lefty, right? Yes, lefty bat. So he could potentially platoon with Margot. I would just let Grisham play, but Margot did have good numbers against left-handed pitching this year. So if you want to do that, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. yeah. So there's a there's a lot of different configurations, and, and you've, I've even heard people talking about maybe Myers and Hosmer should platoon at first base. Well, then you got to play Franchi Cordero against left-handed pitching. I don't know how I feel about that. So yeah, Cordero is like the wild card man. I mean, if if he's healthy. And plays to his potential. I mean, he could blow up. He could be. He's amazing. such a wild card. He's tearing it up in the Dominican Winter Leagues right now. He's such a tease because we've seen, you know, the power, the speed. Last year when he played, you know, he was taking more walks. You know, even with the strikeouts, he's such a tease with all that talent, and he just can never stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this is hopefully this is the year he finally stays healthy, and we get to see, you know, a full season of Franchi Cordero because the sky is the absolute limit for him. 
and you know, and there's a lot of speed on this on this lineup too. I mean, you, you figure Fam is a big stolen base guy, right? Not as big as he was a couple years ago. He's still good for 20 stolen bases, though. Yeah, um, I mean that's a terrific lineup, and, um, and and there's potentially maybe more changes coming. Well, I don't know how much more we're gonna do because you know that Will Myers contract's kind of preventing us from making any more big news. Mm-hmm. About that Will Myers guy. I know you don't feel the same as me on this one. <laughs> so what do you think they should do with Myers? Well, I, I mean, I've, I'm always of the opinion that if you packaged prospects with him, um, you're going to lose out on those prospects. It, to me, it's, it's, it's spent money, right? So you're better off finding a way to have him develop into what he could be rather than giving up you know, a lot of resources just to have someone take them off your hands. So if that means he ends up being a platoon guy or a pinch hit guy, that's probably better than having to, you know, send away $30 million or give away, you know, some, some of the better prospects. Well, here's my thing about that. Say you're sending away $30 million, you're still saving $30 million that you could go get on another player. So if you're not giving up an absolute elite of the elite prospects to get rid of him, would you, let's just say, would you... If Marcelo Zuna wasn't a free agent, would you trade, say, Baez for Marcelo Zuna? Probably. That's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah. It's like if you attach Baez to Myers to free up money to go get an Ozuna. That's the way I look at it personally. Mm-hmm. I do see your point about hoping Myers, you know, maybe he, it was pretty clear he didn't like Andy Gray, and so maybe like he would do better with Jace Tingler, but... I'm done with counting on Myers. I mean, he hasn't been good since the first half of the 2016 season. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time it's a clutch situation, you just know he's going to strike out. Right. And I, I'm kind of done with that, especially because, you know, he was traded from Tampa Bay and from Kansas City. You know, he's a really talented player who was like a number one prospect, and he was traded twice by the time he was 23 or 24. I mean... That's a serious red flag if a guy that talented is getting traded twice by that age in an era where we're moving more towards the young player. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a big red flag to me. And, you know, it just seems to me like his heart's not in it, his head's not in it. I mean, is he making adjustments to get better? I really don't think so because there's no way a guy as talented as him should have these month, two month long slumps that he has. And when we were at spring training last year, my dad and I are walking around, you know, the fields, and my dad's saying that he's talking to guys, joking about like his golf swing or something. And my dad's like, he he doesn't, he just doesn't give a crap, right? And I unfortunately feel that way, and I fortunately think he doesn't really want to get better, despite what he says and what his defenders say on Twitter, which is another one of the things I hate about Twitter. <laughs> so they think the guy's better than Hosmer, even though I know Hosmer's defense suck, but at least he got clutch hits. Yeah. And then you have the computer guys say, "Oh, clutch isn't a thing." It's like, really? Yeah. So you think? You honestly think a solo home run when you're down ten nothing should be graded as better or the same as a two run single that gives you the lead in the seventh inning? That's just dumb to me. I don't get that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I there, there, you see so many. You know, there's a lot of chatter on Twitter and in Padres Twitter especially. But I, I saw one comment that I thought was interesting is because you know they've been loading up on their bullpen, right? Mm-hmm. And and we could break that down with the with the pitching rotation and their bullpen is going to look like. But there's so many new veterans that are on the in, in in the in the pen. Some people have said maybe they package Yates and Myers together. I think I saw that yesterday as well. And and then, you know, there's a lot of candidates that we have that could step in and be the closer. Well, let's say you let's just say hypothetically you did trade Yates, you'd still have, you know, Pomeranz 
and Castillo if he's healthy. Strom's going to be in the bullpen from the start of this year. And Munoz. Yeah, and, Munoz. Yeah. And we just brought Craig Stammen back. I can get into that. I mean, I was a little, I'm going to be honest, I was really shocked when I saw it. And at first, my thinking was WTF, why? Yeah. But I mean, it's only two years. It's not that much money. And I think he's actually pretty good when he's not overworked. I think a lot of his problems last year that made people not like him was because Andy Green's just throwing his arm off. He's pitching like three innings in two days. Sometimes, you know, seven innings in a four, excuse me, in a four day span. Andy, I've talked about Andy Green's horrible bullpen mansion before on here. Mm-hmm. I felt Stammen was one of the big victims of that. Like he just overworked Stammen. Like Stammen pitched almost every other game. Sometimes pitched two innings at a time. So I think if he's not going to be the primary setup man now, because you got even if you did trade Yates and you know Paxton with Myers, whatever, he'd still be behind you know Pomeranz, Munoz. I'd put him behind Castillo if Castillo's healthy, and maybe even behind Strom too. So he's not going to be your primary setup man, you know. And if you have a game where you know. You're scoring runs, but your starter's struggling. It's like 5-5 in the fifth inning, and the other team has the bases loaded. Stammen's a good guy to bring in. You know, maybe get out of that, pitch the sixth. Mm -hmm. Then maybe you can score again, get to the back end, guys. So with a deeper bullpen, he's actually a good guy to have. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, When I mean, you think about it that way, I still wouldn't have re-signed him, but he's not a bad guy to have for that. Yeah, it's just... He, he, you know, I was surprised. I saw the the metrics, and he was one of the top relievers in all of Major League Baseball. I think he was ranked like in the top twenty for sure mm-hmm. um, over the last two or three years. And then you know he had the one bad game against was it Philly when he gave up the four consecutive Nash, homers. Washington it was Washington, and of course everyone's like, oh my god, we resigned the guy that gave up four straight homers. What the hell are we doing? Like, but, but other than that, I think his ERA was under three. Um, so, yeah, it's like people cling to the one bad outing, which you should never do as a reliever. Because if you're a reliever, you can have that one bad outing that destroys your ERA, right? And you're not a starter that can make up for it, you know, by pitching seven shutout innings and then having another game where you go six, allow two runs. As a reliever, if you have one really bad outing like that, it's going to kill your ERA. So yeah, I agree with you, and and I, I think I think having Stammen is a good fit for this. Uh, for this bullpen, and you know, it's the it's the veteran leadership that he's going to bring. The only concern that I had is that we've gotten we've added so many veterans that I wonder how much space is left in the bullpen for some of our prospects that we think can legitimately help us that wouldn't necessarily be experiments, um, but would got be guys that we could count on. You talking about like uh, Mikel Baez? Yeah, that's a great example. I that's a great point. I think they're lowing up on these bullpen guys because they still want to develop, you know, him and Morhone as starters. Right. So they want to send them back to the minors and develop them as starters again. So that's I, so if you're loading up on bullpen guys so that you can develop, you know, Baez and Morhone as starters again, I like that because those guys have good stuff. Now Morhone has the durability question, so I would just relieve him, at, leave him as a reliever. But he has enough upside that you can understand why they'd want to. Development as a starter. So I'm assuming they have a 26-man roster now, right? Correct. Okay. And um, you figure, I'm assuming it's going to be 13 position players and 13 pitchers. Yeah. Well, you got the, an interesting element is the, I didn't even talk about him, the Jake Cronenworth guy that we got, the, you know, second baseman shortstop slash pitcher guy that we got. Supposedly he's actually serviceable as a pitcher enough. That right. he could actually be like a legit two-way player. I mean, not that we need any more bullpen options with the guys we've gotten, but 
But yeah, I mean, especially yeah, especially if it's you know garbage innings, right? You know, the, the team is like down ten one in the seventh or something. But um, let's just assist for the sake of discussion. Assume okay, you have eight starters that you just listed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm assuming there'll be four backups, right? There'll be a catcher, an infielder, one or two outfielders. Um, so we probably have thirteen pitchers. Five of them are starters. Yeah. So that means there's eight in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So who are those eight? Well, I like Matt Strom. Okay. I like Jose Castillo. Those are your lefties. Besides right. Pomeranz, that's your third lefty. Mm-hmm. Then you got Andres Munoz and Kirby Yates, obviously. Right. Stammen's back. I imagine Cal Quantrill will be in there as a longer reliever, figuring, if you figure, you know, Paddock, Davies, Lucchese, Lamette, and Richards are your five starters. You right. probably put Quantrill in the bullpen. For the eighth reliever, that's anybody's guess. David Bednar's a candidate. Cronenworth, maybe. So you got options there. Yeah. Perdomo's done, right? Is Perdomo going to get released? It sounds like he's not in the plans, although he actually wasn't that bad as a reliever, so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind still having him. But it doesn't sound like he's in the plans, really. Right. Because he wasn't that bad as a reliever, but it just doesn't sound like he's in the plans. But there's, I know, there's a whole, there's a list of like five or six other guys that could potentially take that last bullpen spot. But I guess part of the game, I think that Preller and Tingler are playing is that they know there's always going to be injuries, especially to the pitchers. Yeah. So, you know, it's like like what happened last year with our bullpen injuries. It killed the team. Yeah. So you've got to have, like they say, it's, it's a 40 man roster. So those guys that are in, you know, in El Paso. You know, they're really part of the major league team. They just happen to come and go at different times. Yeah. And Perdomo's fine as a reliever. Like, if you want him as, like, the last guy in the bullpen or, you know, having a triple A coming up and down, which I'm sure they do. It's another thing I hate. This isn't just Padre Twitter. This is, you know, people in general. Is like, people are so stuck on their opinion of a guy. Like, everyone <laughs> said, oh, Perdomo was so awful, like, when he was a starter. Like, right. they just want nothing to do with him, even though he's actually decent as a reliever. It's that stereotype that doesn't go away. It's, another example of this would be, I don't know if you saw it, but like Lamar Jackson got 47 of 50 votes for the All-Pro. Yeah. And one of the guys who didn't vote for him was Bill Polian, who insisted that he would be a wide receiver in the NFL. <laughs> and so he didn't vote him as an All-Pro. What an idiot. <laughs> that's, just another, that's just another example of what I was saying. A guy, who you can never, a guy who can never change his opinion about somebody, no matter how wrong they're proven. That's not even, a, like I said, that's not even a Padres Twitter thing. That's just people in general. Yeah, it is. And yeah. It, it's annoying to me. It is. Who's the, who's the other pitcher? We we signed a free agent. He was with the Giants, and then he went to Japan. Oh, Pierce Johnson? Yeah. I don't really know much about him, but, you know, maybe he's a Miles Michaelis, a guy who what didn't have a lot of success in the States, went over to Japan, reinvented himself, and came back. Maybe he's like that. I'm not going to count anything for him like that. And if he doesn't do anything, if he doesn't do anything good, it's nothing. It, 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 there's no risk, Dagan. Right. But he was a free agent, right? Yes, so, he was. So, um, all right. Was there anyone else that we signed? I thought there was, like, maybe one more pitcher um, that we added. Maybe not. No. Because we, we already talked about Zach Davies. Yeah, yeah. So probably not thinking of him. Okay. Who's your opening day starter? It's got to be Paddock. Yeah, I agree. Has yeah, to be. Has to be Paddock. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, you know, I, I, think I can't I, wait to see what he's going to do this year, too. You know, he's not on an innings limit anymore. So, you know, he doesn't have to worry about how many two strike hits did he give up this year? Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, he was, he's thinking, I can't waste a pitch because I'm on a 90 pitch limit. 
So now when he's ahead 0-2, you know, he can really bury that change up in the dirt or get the guy to chase the fastball uh, yeah, at the neck, yeah. you know, because he doesn't have to worry about, oh, I'm coming out after this many pitches. He doesn't have to worry about that anymore. So no no pitch limit, no inning limit. We can see, like, the real deal. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. I definitely think, you know, with the two-strike hits he gave up and, like, he almost pounded the zone too much. Yeah, yeah. And he had a really high home run to fly ball, right? I really am excited to see what Paddock can do because I really think that that innings and pitch limit kind of got in his head a little bit at times. Yeah. So I, I really cannot wait to see what Paddock's going to do. So I think I saw pitchers and catchers report like in 35 days or something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's coming up quick. You know, you'll have the Super Bowl and then, you know, pitchers and catchers will report like the next week. So... Is Preller going to make any more deals anywhere that you can think of? Maybe are they going to get an ace, or are they just going to go with what they've got? I'm going to go with, like, with what they got. And this was an interesting point that somebody I follow on Padres Twitter said is that maybe instead of trying to be like the Astros or Cubs, you know, where they have you know the loaded lineup and the ace at the top of a rotation, you know, maybe they're going to be win the World Series like Kansas City did, you know, where they have you know g- good not great hitter, a good not great group of hitters. Good, but not great group of starters and a dominant bullpen like Kansas City did do a World Series in 2015, which is interesting to think about because Kansas City is an even smaller market than San Diego. So maybe that's the way you got to build up your yeah. team. Well, it seems like that's what they're doing. You know, I mean, they're really loading up on that bullpen. I mean, the Royals didn't have a superstar hitter, maybe Lorenzo Cain in 2015. But, you know, and the Padres have, you know, two superstars in Tatis and Machado. But they also aren't as deep as the Royals were. But to offset that, they have two superstars, whereas the Royals had zero to one. So, and I do think an ace is coming, anyways, between Gore, Patino, not this year, but next year. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you know, if Paddock takes the next step, if Lamet um, takes the next step, yeah, even if Garrett Richards stays healthy, which I wouldn't count on that at all. But but if it, if, if there's a lot of possibilities where we would have an ace. That would just be coming up from the existing rotation. Which is what I've been saying for a long time when all these people are like, why didn't we throw all that money at Strasburg or Cole? That's what I, I've kind of been saying this whole time. So, you know, the whole Ron Fowler, the heads are going to roll thing. Do you really believe that Preller has to have success this year or he's gone? Define success. Let's just say um, over 85 wins. Yeah, I'd say that. So if he's less than 85, he could be toast. Well, I think if he's under 80, he's definitely toast. Right. Um, 80, to, that 80 to 84 range, it's like, that's kind of a toss-up if Perler will be back. 85 plus, he's definitely safe. See, I, okay, again, this is my thing with Myers, too. I'm always, like, hesitant to let go um, of a guy that you're trying to um you know, he's got a plan. Preller has a plan. And the plan, I think, has been developing maybe a little more slowly than we'd like to see. Definitely you know, a little more slowly because, you know, we were promised at the start of the rebuild, you know, we'd contend for the playoffs, 19 championship for 20. It looks like that's been pushed back a year. It's still better than what we were doing, you know, before yeah. Preller. Yeah. It's a little frustrating that it's a year slower than we thought, but it is still much better than, you know, before Preller when it's just like throw darts at a wall and hope for 25 career years. Right. <laughs> Which is what Josh Burns did and why I couldn't stand him. It's what Jed Hoyer did when he was here. It's kind of what Kevin Towers did at the end, too, although Towers was good for a while. Yeah, so you know, this is just it's interesting because it goes against my better instinct because I know in the business world, what I usually preach is, is hire slow, fire fast. 
But in somehow in sports, I seem to be the opposite. I want to fire slow because I want to I, I like the idea of them building a system, a culture, having consistency, longevity, um, kind of like what the Pittsburgh Steelers did for so many decades. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, you know, well, it, you talk about the culture. I mean, if you look at what the players were saying and what Darren Smith was saying about how the players fell, Andy Green, that's not a healthy culture. And that's why they had to get rid of them. Yeah, right. I, I think that makes sense. And you saw the way like. Machado and Hosmer and other guys played down the stretch. It was obvious that the culture was just completely toxic with Andy Green. Right. They were just mailing it in. Yeah. Okay. Wow. There's so many possibilities. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a great Padre year. I think we have we have one of the widest variances of floor and ceilings in the league, I think. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you know the Dodgers are going to be really good. You know Houston's going to be really good. You know the Yankees are going to be really good. You know Detroit's going to be terrible. You know Baltimore's going to be awful. You know Kansas City's not going to be very good again. Mm -hmm. But for the Padres, it's like, you know, if Grisham takes that next step, if Tatis stays healthy, if Pham's still good, if Hosmer gets back to what he was in Kansas City, if Cordero stays healthy, if Myers, you know, gets his head on straight, if Mejia develops like we like, if Profar bounces back, there's so many things that the Padres, if all that goes well, they could, you know, really surprise some people, win 90 games, you know, make the playoffs, and there's also a chance, you know, Tatis gets hurt again, you know, Myers still doesn't know what the heck he's doing, Cordero <laughs> gets hurt again, yeah. Mejia doesn't develop as we hope, and we win like 75 games, so there's like a huge variance that's right. It's a big question mark, but honestly, it's kind of fun because you don't really know what's going to happen. Like, if you're a Yankees fan, you're like, okay, we know we're going to win 105, 106 games, win the AL East. Can we win in the postseason? Right. Or if you're a Padres fan, you're like, you know, I don't know what we're going to do, but, you know, maybe we can do something <laughs> special. We're the old, scrappy, spunky Padre fans, you know, mm-hmm. hoping for something special. Did you see that list that was on Twitter that showed the number of postseason wins since 2000? And they stack ranked all the MLB teams, and the Padres were dead last with one postseason win. Yep. Game Sin- 30, 2006 NLDS in St. Louis. It's yeah. the only one. It's, I mean, that's just unbelievable. I believe we've lost, I think it's eight straight home playoff games. Oh. Yeah, because that stretch, we would always end up playing the Cardinals, and the Cardinals would sweep us. Um, or, or yeah, like you say, we'd win one on the road. Yeah, we lost the first two games in San Diego last time we made it. We're right. 0-3 in playoff games at Petco Park. Ah, oh, that's, that's tough. And then you go back to the 98 World Series where we were swept. Um, so, yeah. It's Even better. in the NLCS in 98, we lost the last two home games, 4-5, and five, and had to win game six in Atlanta. Right. Actually, I think it's seven straight home playoff losses. Games four and five of the 98 <laughs> NLCS, three and four of the 98 World Series, game it's, three. and It's yeah, just it's unbelievable. Seven straight home <laughs> playoff losses. How does this happen? We have such terrible luck. It's just nothing works. Now, this season, promising for the Padres. We're, we're loving the Aztec basketball program. I mean, but still, we're, we're so thirsty for a championship in the city. Yeah, absolutely. Unbelievable. Good thing is Dean Spano say getting one because they suck this year. <laughs> well, now, what's your take on, on Rivers? What's going to happen with I him? I think he's gone. I don't think he's going to be a Charger. I, they don't sound like they want him back. I think if he plays elsewhere, I think it'll be the Indianapolis Colts because, you know, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator here in San Diego in 14-15. Now he's the head coach in Indy, and Brissett didn't play very well down the stretch, and 
Right. You know, they had the Andrew Luck retirement. So I could see him as an Indianapolis Colt, but he'd probably retire if he's not an Indianapolis Colt, in my opinion. Yeah, because he, he, he was even saying he could see himself in a headset. Um, I guess that's a coach or he, who knows, maybe even a broadcaster. Um, but yeah, maybe I think you pull a Tony Romo and go straight to the broadcast booth. He, he'd be good. He, he'd be entertaining. Be, that would be very entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if, if Rivers is gone, which I, I think is for sure, what about Brady? Do you think Brady's coming back? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to really get into that, huh? Yeah. I, I have to say, the Brady to the Chargers stuff has got to be some of the most ridiculous, nonsensical stuff I have ever seen coming. And Chris Collinsworth even said it was going to happen. Like, Chris Collinsworth is a clown, so that doesn't <laughs> shock me that he would say this and fall for that. But it just doesn't make sense. Think about it. This guy, you know, he goes from the best organization, you know, that's one that's the envy of every single sports franchise in this 21st century. Yeah. You know, they got six rings. You know, they got one of the best owners in Robert Kraft. They got an all-time great coach in Belichick. You know, they sell out every game at Gillette Stadium. He's going to leave that. For Dean Spanos, for no fans, for one of the worst run organizations in sports? Yeah. You really think that makes sense? Yeah, there's no way. There, you, does that make any sense there, to you? There's no way that's going to happen. And but, I say, and you, know, you know what, though? Honestly, I think it would be funny if it did happen. You know why? Because let's just say he goes there. By the way, this is not going to happen. We were just laughing it off. But if it did, it would be funny because those 15, 20 Charger fans that they actually have, that they're all, you know, Dean Spanos trolls, you know, yeah. whatever. They would all get so excited be like, oh, my God, we're going to the Super Bowl. We got the GOAT. You know, say <laughs> yeah, all that yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah. And then they realize that he's washed up now. He needs an O-line to succeed. And the Chargers haven't had a good O-line in 10 years. Right. So he gets behind that O-line. He sucks and looks terrible and washed. And they go 5-11 and 11 again. It would actually be pretty <laughs> funny. It's not going to happen. But if it did, that would be pretty funny to see him get all hyped about Brady. And then they go 5-11 and because, you know, they have no O-line. Brady's washed. But the Patriots will bring him back, right? And they got to. It's it sounds like there's a chance it's not going to happen. And remember, Bill Belichick traded Randy Moss in the middle of a season, and then they went fourteen and two. So you Bill, Belichick will do things that surprise you, and it ends up working out because you know. Well, do do they have a backup? What's who's their backup? They did draft um, Jared Stidham from Auburn. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they can just sign – they could sign me or you and probably win 10 games. I mean, Matt Castle hadn't started since high school, and they won 11 games with him in 2008. Right. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, 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 because he was the backup at SC, wasn't he? Yeah, he was backup at USC. Oh, wow. But anyways, uh, on a serious note, I think Brady either goes back to New England or retires. Yeah. I can't see him playing for somebody other than the New England Patriots. Yeah, he, there's no reason for him to that cling. Whole, that L.A. Chargers stuff is such crap. It's just trying to get people to actually care about that team, <laughs> which they wouldn't need to do if they hadn't let Dean Spanos leave here. But right. that's not our business anymore, so I don't know what to say. Um, I guarantee you if the Chargers were still in San Diego, there would be no Brady rumors at all. I think that was just crap to try and get L.A. interested in them. You know, uh, Mike Riley, no relation, wanted to draft Brady. Remember that? I was uh, a little before my time. Yeah, he, he wanted to draft Brady, but um, I think it was – who was the um, the GM? Was it A.J. Smith, I no, think? it was probably John Butler. Or John Butler. I think, yeah, they, they went with someone else. Um, but imagine if he had been a charger from the start. Wouldn't that be something? Well, actually, I don't think he would have been <laughs> as good if he didn't end up with, you know, Belichick and Josh McDaniels yeah. and all that. Because if you remember, like, other than 2010, he wasn't that good. Great until McDaniel's came back in 2011, 
No, excuse me. Actually, I I stand corrected because McDaniel's came back in 2012. Mm-hmm. So I stand corrected on that. I thought he wasn't as good without McDaniel's. You know, when McDaniel's was the Denver head coach, and I think he went to St. Louis where he came back as New England's OC for a second time after Bill O'Brien went to Penn State. Mm-hmm. I stand corrected on that. But I just thought he wasn't as good without McDaniel's, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> Brady's a special guy. Um, but yeah, I, I see he, ha- he has such a... A strong brand, uh, a, a brand of a champion that he doesn't need to cling for another year or two with another team. That's another thing. That brand of a champion you have. This that Brady is a guy who's you know obsessed with you know winning and competing. And mm-hmm. Smith's family doesn't care if they win or not. They don't care <laughs> if they have fans or not. They don't care about that. That's just like the most complete mismatch ever. So, what's your take on the on the Chargers? They're, they're they're not going to move, are they? I mean, there's been those rumors about London or some other city. But- I've talked about that before on here. Honestly, who knows? Let's just hope they continue to suck until Spano sells the team. <laughs> right on. That's all I'm going to say about that. So let's uh, hey, break down the NFL playoffs. What did you what did you see yesterday? I thought there were some pretty good games this weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, Buffalo completely choked that game against Houston. Mm-hmm. That was a good game between Tennessee and New England. The evil empire fell at the hands of Mike Vrabel. <laughs> that was something, and huh? beats his old coach in Belichick. That was great to see. See the Patriots right. dynasty. Looks like it's about to come to an end. Yeah, finally, it's been frick. It's been. Two decades that thing has been going on, right? They haven't had a losing season since 2000. That's unbelievable. In a salary cap league, that's like impossible. Yeah. I don't think anybody will be sad to see their demise that's coming up. You know, I grew up a 49er fan, and so I always thought Montana was the greatest of all time, but he's not. It has to be. I still think Montana is the greatest of all time. I mean, he had 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions in his four Super Bowl wins, and Mm -hmm. he was MVP three times. Right. And, you know, he didn't play in an era where you can't breathe on the receiver mm-hmm. and you were actually allowed to hit the quarterback then. He doesn't have any spy gate or deflate gate on his record. <laughs> so how, how many rings does Brady have? Is it six? Yeah, six. Six. I think a lot of, I mean, obviously Brady's a great quarterback, but a lot of that has to do with Belichick and the culture and the team that he's, teams that he's been on. Like, in two of his Super Bowl wins, Brady hasn't even scored 20 points offensively when they played St. Louis in his first Super Bowl. I don't even know how he won MVP of that Super Bowl. He didn't even pass for 200 yards. They scored 13 offensive points. The other seven came because Ty Law got pick six of Warner. Mm-hmm. And then the last Super Bowl, he only scored 13 points. Wow. He didn't even throw a touchdown pass. Wow. So, yeah. And Montana was MVP in three of his Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Actually, deserved all three MVPs. Unlike Brady, he didn't deserve MVP of his first Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then in the fourth one, he played pretty well too. I mean, Jerry Rice won MVP, and so who had to get Rice? Who had to get Rice the ball? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good call. All right, so may I'll stick with Montana. You know, I believe, and I believe the game Rice won Super Bowl MVP was the game where Montana led the big drive at the end against Cincinnati. I could be wrong about that, but I. But I remember Rice had 10 catches against Cincinnati, so maybe the game Rice won MVP was actually the one where Montana led the famous like 90-yard drive against Cincinnati. And that's the one where John Taylor caught the uh, touchdown pass at the end. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, So, um, because the the four Super Bowls with Montana were the first one against Cincinnati. Yeah, that one they actually jumped out to a big lead, and since he kind of made it close, but... Mm-hmm. They won like twenty six twenty one or something like that. Yeah, and then uh, they blew out the Broncos, and then they blew out the, Miami, Miami, and then they had the comeback against Cincinnati. They yeah. broke Boomer Esiason's heart. Wow, 
Bengals, man. It's another cursed team right there. Well, at least they've made the Super Bowl twice. Yeah, yeah, we only saw the Chargers make the Super Bowl once when they belonged to us. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and it was before I was born, so I don't even remember it, obviously. So what were the other um, two playoff games? We, we t- had Seattle and Philly. Unfortunately, Penny got hurt the Monday night game. Right. Uh, Sunday night game, sorry, against the Rams up in L.A. That was really unfortunate because he was really coming to his own when that happened. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if the Seahawks win the Super Bowl, he still gets a ring, so that's something to root for. Right on. We got another Aztec on the... They didn't play this weekend because they had a first-round bye, but on San Francisco, Daniel Brunskill, one of their linemen, San Diego State guy. Right on. So, between San Francisco and Seattle, you got a 50-50 chance that the NFC champion has an Aztec. I mean, Penny's not playing, unfortunately, but if they win, he still gets a ring. Cool. Just like Calvin Munson got a ring for being on (laughs) New England's practice squad last year. Nice. Which I didn't even know until... I saw a picture of him with the Super Bowl trophy on his Instagram. Really? I was like, uh, I was thinking to myself, oh man, the Patriots won the Super Bowl again. Why do we even watch this stupid league? <laughs> then I see Munson with the Super Bowl trophy. I'm like, he was on the Patriots practice squad. He gets a ring. I'm like, sweet. Yeah, right on. <laughs> and uh, oh, I did. I did forget the um, Minnesota New Orleans game. That was a shocker. I didn't. I thought New Orleans had a really good chance to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And Minnesota went into the Superdome and beat them. How about that? What's that player's name? And he's like playing wide receiver and quarterback. Taysom Hill. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's a BYU guy, but he's an absolute beast. Yeah, he was special. He's um, he makes me want to root for him so bad, even though he went to BYU. That's how that's how special of a talent he is. <laughs> so, um, so what do you like? How do you see the next round of the playoffs uh, rolling out? I think I actually think Seattle's going to go into Green Bay and win. Uh, I don't think Green Bay's that good. They got pretty lucky to win a lot of the games that they won this year. So I think Seattle's going to go in there and beat them. But other than that, other than that, I got the home teams. I got you know San Francisco will beat Minnesota. Yeah, that's that's um, for sure. Baltimore will beat Tennessee. Yeah, and then Kansas City should beat Houston. I mean, I know Houston went into Arrowhead and won in the regular season, but that was Tyreek Hill's first game back. Sammy Watkins was out. Eric Fisher was out. I believe Kansas City had another offensive lineman out, and they weren't playing the defense. The, the great defense they've played the last six weeks of the regular season, they weren't playing that then. Mm-hmm. And I think Mahomes was still hobbling around then. So, I mean, there's always a chance Houston could do it because Deshaun Watson's incredible. Ah, oh, unbelievable. He's incredible. So he has a chance, you know, to put Houston on his back and, you know, carry him to the miraculous win. But I think there's Kansas City should win that game by like 10, 14 points. Nice. So I got a Kansas City, Baltimore, and Seattle, San Francisco Conference Championships. Okay. Imagine that. Imagine if uh, San Francisco, Seattle, and Kansas City all win. Um, you'd have three of the four semifinalists west of the Mississippi. Oh, okay. another thing about Kansas City is um, David Wells, former SDSU tight ends on Kansas City's practice squad. So he would get a ring, too, like <laughs> Munson did last year. Yeah, oh, right on. Okay. So pretty decent chance we're going to get an Aztec getting a ring this year, whether they actually played or not. I mean, Penny did play most of the season. Remember you? You and I were just—you were talking about Seattle and Green Bay. Remember that game, and it went to overtime in the playoffs. And Matt Hasselback said, "We're going to take the ball and we're going to win." You know, and then they, he threw a pick six dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've seen that many times before. What, that's that was, pretty. That was a long time ago. That was like, that was like tw- 03 or 04. Yeah, uh, that was pretty funny. Um, so, who do you like to to win the whole thing? I'm going to go with Baltimore. I mean, they've been the best team since week... They haven't lost since week five. You know, Lamar Jackson's just a special kind of talent. So I'm going to take Baltimore to win it. Although, 
you know, Kansas City, you know, they beat Baltimore without Tyreek Hill back in week three. Mm-hmm. And that was, again, before they were playing the defense they've played. And once you've played Lamar Jackson once, if you see him again in the same season, you're like, okay, this is what they do. Because Lamar Jackson's a great talent, and John Harbaugh's a great coach. So not taking away anything, anything away from them, but a lot of, a lot, some of their success, I wouldn't even say a lot of their success, but some of it definitely comes from that they play such a unique offense. Like, remember when Georgia Tech was good under Paul Johnson with a triple option offense, but they lose almost every bowl game because when you had more time to prepare for their option offense? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a similar thing with Baltimore because their offense isn't really run in the NFL. So once you see it once, you're like, all right, this is what we can do, you know, when we play them a second time. And we can maybe figure him out a little more. And Kansas City beat him once, despite not playing very good defense that game. Like, Lamar kind of ate him up that game. They mm-hmm. scored like 30-something points. Mm-hmm. It was a shootout at Arrowhead. So maybe they can find something, you know, to slow down Lamar a little more. Like I said, they're playing much better defense since then anyways. So I could definitely see Kansas City winning in Baltimore, but I do think Baltimore would win. And I think Baltimore would beat the NFC champion. Just because you look at San Francisco... I, I'm Jimmy Garoppolo so hot and cold. You know, if he's cold, you know, they're in trouble. Minnesota, you know, you really think Kirk Cousins is going to win four playoff games? I mean, he just got his first one. And then yeah. Seattle's, you know, I would mm. like Seattle's team a lot if they were healthy, but they're not. You know, it's not just Penny that's hurt. The starting running back, Chris Carson's hurt. The third string running back, Chris C.J. Prozice is hurt. And they had to bring Marshall Lynch back. And he was serving tequila shots in the parking lot at the Raiders' last <laughs> home game in Oakland. <laughs> And they brought him in. They had to bring him back in because they just had so many injuries there, and their defense hasn't played well all season. I mean, honestly, they would have lost yesterday if Wentz didn't go out. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then Green Bay, like I said, I just don't think they're that good. I don't know how they won as many games as they did. Right. Okay, so who who do you think emerges from the NFC? I'm going to go with San Francisco. Okay, so Baltimore over San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Where is the Super Bowl this year? Miami. Miami. All right. Which is really a great lesson, like at Hard Rock Stadium, a great lesson of what could have been here if, you know, we had, you know, a non-Spanos owner. Because Stephen Ross, you know, he put $500, $600 million into, well, remember, it was Sun Life Stadium, and it was a multi-purpose. You know, they had Joe the... Joe Robbie Stadium, right? Yeah. Sun Life, Joe Robbie, Pro Player, Dolph, yeah. what, the, yeah. the, the stadium with like 800 names. Right. Multi-purpose stadium, you know, the Marlins played there, mm-hmm. too, you know, and... He actually, I think he tried to get public money for Sam. He was told no, so you know he didn't, you know, act like a dick and move the team like Spanos did. He's yeah. like, okay, I'll put my own money and then fine, right? And he put you know five hundred, six hundred fifty million there, and he totally changed it. It's basically a new stadium. You can't ever tell that it was the same stadium that ho- used to host the Marlins. You can't even tell. It looks completely different. Mm-hmm. See, that's that's what happens when you have you know actual owners that like <laughs> you know put money into their product and team. Like Spanos wouldn't even replace light bulbs at Qualcomm. I don't know if you saw that tweet a couple months no, ago. No, I did. No, where like Rich Ornberger, I think it was, said they would wait until somebody else came and replaced the light bulbs. They wouldn't pay for them. They wouldn't even go. 50-50 with SDSU for a new scoreboard. That's how cheap they were. And they were never going to invest the money into, you know, renovating Qualcomm like they could have. You know, they could do it. The Hunts do it Arrowhead and put, you know, $100, $200 million in every 15, 20 years, keep it modern, you know, keep having Super Bowls, keep the team, never have to worry about relocating or getting a handout for a new stadium. But, you know, they suck. So, you know, it, the, the Spanos should have seen the writing on the wall because the trend in California is not to publicly finance stadiums. I mean, Cranky is is privately financed. 
the San Francisco Giants Stadium, I think, was privately financed. Correct. Um, and then, I don't know, has there been any – well, the arena that the Warriors are playing in, I think, is also privately financed. The problem with Dean Spanos is he is oblivious to reality. And he saw what the Padres did with Petco Park. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, campaigned their asses off. They endeared themselves to the community. You know, they had the World Series run. And all that was like, okay, we'll give you your $200 million to for Petco Park. And Dean Spanos saw that and thought he was entitled to that and didn't do any of the work that the Padres did for yeah, Petco Park. Yeah. He thought he was entitled to that instead of doing the work to get it like the Padres did. Right. And that's what I've said this whole time since they moved. I think next, this week, at the end of this week actually is the three-year anniversary of that. And that's got to be my worst day as a sports fan. Oh. It's you know, honestly, it might be one of the worst days of my life too. That was just terrible. Oh, it was, yeah, it was awful. Um, but you know, my like my interest in the NFL had been declining prior to them moving, and then after that, it's just like okay, I'm I'm out. I'm yeah, out. yeah, exactly. <laughs> my interest fell off the cliff, and and so I saw some of the games over the weekend, the NFL games, but it was mostly like something on in the background while I was doing other things. It wasn't like I sat down and watched it. Um, you know, so my my attention is definitely way more with college basketball, college football. I'm looking forward to baseball coming back. So honestly, know. I was glad that the that three of the four road teams won this weekend because every time I see like home crowds getting like going crazy and fired for their team, it reminds me of what we had in San Diego. What was taken uh. from us by Spanos and Goodell? When I see that, like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl two years ago. I was really happy for him. I'm like, yeah, you know, these yeah, guys, they've yeah. waited a long time for this in Philadelphia. They've backed that team mm-hmm. passionately, sometimes a little over the line, but definitely passionately <laughs> for a lot of years. And they yeah. finally got rewarded with that Super Bowl and they beat New England. So I was like, great. This is awesome. I felt great for them for like a day or two. And then I saw the celebrations, you know, on social media or whatever. I'm like, God, we should have, we were never going to get a chance that in San Diego because of Dean Spanos. And I just, I got mad and sat all over again for a couple of days after that. Yeah. Freaking- not, that's not to say I don't like seeing new teams win. Cause obviously I do. But when you see that happen, you're just like, man, that could have been us. But Spanos took that from us and it just, it hurts. It really hurts. Yeah, it does. There's a lot of people that are still feeling the pain in San Diego County. I was just telling, I was just telling my dad the other day, yesterday actually, that unless San Diego gets a team back, whether that's the Chargers coming back without Spanos or an expansion or another relocated team, whatever, unless we get another get the NFL back and that team wins the Super Bowl, the Marlon McCree fumble interception will haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh man. That was the game against New England, yeah, right? Yeah, we that was the 14-2 and LT MVP year. He fumbled the ball back to the Patriots. It was a fourth down play. He should have just knocked it down. Then you would have had L- MVP LT going. It was an old and tired Patriots defense. It would have been game over. Yeah, I mean, he just could have just and taken a And then they would have had to play Indy, who had like a historically awful run defense that year in the AFC Championship. And then Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl. So they absolutely could have won the Super Bowl that year. That would have been our Super Bowl. And w- what year was that again? 2006 season. Okay. So it was the 06-07 season. Like, they played the playoffs in January of 07 and Super Bowl February 4th, uh, 07. I remember that But it was game. 2006 season. And the minute, you know, when McCree fumbled it and then New England got it, you just knew that they were going to score. And they did. 
I mean, you can't give uh, you can't give you know teams like that second life. That's why I thought even Saturday when Tennessee, you know, they get a stop. I'm like, okay, if they can get a touchdown here, they can have a chance. But they weren't scoring, so I just thought, oh, they're gonna they're gonna blow it. New England will pull it out, but that never happened. Shockingly, so I mean, it, it's just enough. that just tells you that too that the end that the end is coming for the Patriots because like during you know in the past years, Patriots would have always won that game. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the the they're turning the page, right? Absolutely. End of an it's, era. And thank goodness. I mean, it, it's not fun to see the same team in the AFC Championship game every year. Oh, no. It's no. like, up oh, AFC Championship game, Foxborough. I know. Every year. That's that's not fun. I like, I like different teams to win. That's not fun. Well, I think it's good to have, you know, an evil empire, you know, someone to root against well, uh, for a I period do think, of time, but not for 20 yeah, years. Like I, like, I think baseball's better, like, now that the Yankees are really good again, because now everybody wants to beat the Yankees, and, yeah. you know, ooh, the Yankees are coming to town, big series this weekend, you know, that yeah. kind of deal. So I think it's great for baseball that the Yankees are good again, but the Yankees haven't won a World Series in 11 years now, so they had enough time where they didn't win a ring that it's like, all right, Bring them, bring back the evil empire Yankees now. We need a bad guy to take down, you know, kind of deal. Wow. So, um, hey, just last little bit about baseball. There's still some free agents floating around. Josh Donaldson hasn't signed. You know, do you think? I thought it, Josh Donaldson signed two months ago, apparently, but apparently, I don't know what happened to that. Yeah, maybe he had a deal and it fell through. And I know there's there's still. I mean, Puig hasn't signed. Yasiel Puig. Well, Puig's more of a name and kind of like. <laughs> A fun guy than like a guy you'd rather have on your team. Like yeah. I said this, I've been saying this about Puig for like Padre fans who want him. Like, is he a fun guy? Yeah. Is he entertaining? Yeah. Do I want him on my team? Not really. I mean, you know, he's kind of a head case. He's really inconsistent. You know, there's questions about how much he actually cares about baseball. You know, right? He's a he's an entertaining guy to have, but he's kind of overrated and he's kind of a head case. So do you really want that as entertaining as he is? I personally don't. I'd rather just. Have fun watching him on some other team. Yeah, well, I agree. That's I, how I feel about Puig. The, well, He's very pa- entertaining, but I would not want him on the Padres. Not at all. He would be disruptive to what they're trying to build. Absolutely. But I still want someone to sign him. Absolutely. You know, because I like I like seeing him. You know, he's like fun. He's you know, he's the, fun. The head first slide into third base with his tongue hanging out. You know, or, licking the bat. Yeah, licking the bat, <laughs> or man, you know, just going one against twenty five against the Pittsburgh Steelers, ready or to even Pirates. Yeah, or the, or the Pirates. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Um, um, just that, that's great. I love that. Fighting for Cincinnati after the Reds traded him to Cleveland. Yeah, that was yeah, funny. Yeah. So I, when, I, when Chris Archer's like on the ground, he gets up and Puig shows up <laughs> against the railing. <laughs> that's good stuff. So, yeah, there's still some free agents that are floating around. Um, what, you got anything on the NBA? You any takes there? Uh, I think I said this before. Ask me after the Super Bowl. That's okay. when I really start paying attention. All right. But hey, Kawhi's two zero against the Lakers. He is. beat him on Christmas. That was a really good game. That was. Um, I cool. still will watch the Laker games and the and the Clipper games when they're on TV. Um, the NBA is a lot more fun to watch right now. But yeah, I think it'll start. We'll get more serious after the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's when I I kind of just watched the NBA sporadically up until the Super Bowl, and then after the Super Bowl, I start watching more NBA. The kid that I really like seeing the highlights on is that John Moron guy. Oh, Memphis? Yeah, and he's uh, something else. Too bad he's on an absolutely terrible team, but maybe they can build something up and he can play in some important games. Yeah. In the not-too-distant future. Unbelievable. So what do you think? This is the Steve Fisher ball right here. And we, uh, we had it signed. Uh, my, my cousin, my wife's cousin, 
went to the Final Four when it was in Dallas. Um, and she got uh, the signature of Steve Fisher. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's from my son, Trevor. So I thought I'd put it out here because I knew we were going to talk Aztecs. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about Aztec basketball? What do you think their ceiling is? What's their floor for like the NCAA tournament? Because I think it's pretty safe to assume, barring a absolutely catastrophic collapse, like losing every game the rest of the season, that they'll be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they'll make the tournament. So, uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're yeah. ranked number seven right now. So closing thought, what do you think their ceiling is? What's their floor? I think I think this is the year that they could potentially get beyond the Sweet 16. Now, I don't think we can say they're going to win the championship, although I'd love to see that happen. I mean, college basketball is more wide open this year than it will be almost any other year. I mean, North mm-hmm. Carolina is just flat out not good. Right. And there's other teams like like Duke's pretty good. Kansas is pretty good. You know, you know those teams. But, I mean, there's a lot of, you know... Blue Bloods that really are not great this year. I mean, we're ranked ahead of Kentucky. We're ranked ahead of Virginia, who won the national championship last year. Right. We're even ranked ahead of Michigan State. You know, there's just college basketball is way more wide open this year than it's ever been, I think, since I started watching it. So there's definitely a lot of potential for something special there. I definitely think this team should at least make the Sweet 16. Yeah, I would agree. But, you know, it's the whole thing, you know, like, why not us, right? Yeah. You know, so if they're feeling good and they got positive vibes, you know, they've been talking so much about the chemistry is so great this year. Yeah. That's kind of a little bit of a backhand slap on the on the seniors that left last year. Or even like Jalen McDaniels leaving to go to the NBA. And that's another point I want to make is I don't think we miss Jalen McDaniels at all. I really don't. And here's why I say this. I mean, I'm not saying like he doesn't care about basketball or that he's a selfish player. Mm-hmm. I'm not flat out saying that or that he doesn't want to win. But I think he was here until he could go to the NBA. So I think if he if we lost, but he, you know, got his, you know, fifteen points, eight rebounds, mm-hmm. three assists, like he wasn't broken up about us losing. Right. Like if he got his fifteen, eight, three, whatever. Right. Not to say he is a bad teammate, he's selfish, or he doesn't want to win, but it's just like, it's not like he's not all in for the team like the guys we have right now. And it also seemed that in the biggest games, he would disappear. Like, even in the his freshman year, when we in the Mile West Tournament went over to New Mexico, like, he wasn't even in the last, like, seven, eight minutes. He didn't yeah. really do much. We still beat New Mexico and made the tournament, but yeah, he didn't do much in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, so I say... Like, Trey Kell won that game. Oh, God, yeah. Trey Kell was fantastic. In that game against New Mexico, right. win the Mountain West Championship, go to the tournament. That was, that was great. So I think, I think, you know, if you're asking me floor and ceiling, the floor is they'll make the tournament. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as you say, the ceiling, you know, why not us? A national championship this year, probably better chance than ever uh, for this program. But I think a realistic thing for me as a fan is I think they can make the Elite Eight. I mean, after already in the top eight now. Absolutely. I think they could be in the Elite Eight. I mean, and this is, we got a long way to go for the tournament, so this probably won't be the matchup. But it does worry me that our current matchup, Texas Tech, is the seventh seed in the same region we are on Lenardi's. Again, we got a long long way to go. And I think Texas Tech will be beyond a seventh seed by that point. They kind of had a slow start and they've picked it up lately. Mm -hmm. But Texas Tech is a seventh seed. Like, they scare me as a seven if we were a two. Like, if that oh, yeah. happens, they absolutely scare me in the round of 32. Yeah. Although we did beat two teams that beat them, so. Yeah, so. I mean, but still, that's a team. You know, they played for the national title last year. Chris Beard's a really good coach. They play in the Big 12. They play against Kansas, you know. Kind of worries me a little bit if, like, we end up facing, like, they're the seven, we're the two. But, again, 
Long way to go. That probably won't be the matchup. So, so let's let's just focus on, on getting as good of a seat as possible. I think. Yeah. So let's let's just win in Wyoming. All right. Yeah. One game at a time. Win at Wyoming. After we do that, worry about Boise State. You know, and so forth and so forth. And then let's get Mensa back. Let's get a rope back. I think you'll see a rope back before Mensa. That's my prediction yeah. on that. And then, um, and then, and then I think you know if you if you got all your guys. Going down the stretch of the regular season, I think it can set up really well. Absolutely. I mean, this is a team, you know, they won at BYU. They won at Utah State. They won on a neutral floor against Utah, against Iowa, against Crane. I mean, this team's battle-tested. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think we should be ranked ahead of Auburn. You know, we're both undefeated, but we have better wins. The only reason Auburn's ahead of us is because they played in the Final Four last year. Yeah, exactly. That's the only reason Auburn's even ranked ahead of us. And they're in a power conference, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you looked at resume, like, ours is better than Auburn's. Right. That might sound biased, but I mean... No, no, it's real. Has Auburn won at BYU? Has Auburn won at Utah State? Has Auburn been Iowa and created? No, I don't think so. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, But they've got... Kentucky, right, is in their conference, right? Yeah, SEC, yeah. Yeah. And what what other big-time SEC teams are there this year? I don't know if Tennessee's as good as they have been the last couple years, but they're in there. I think that's all. SEC's more known for its football. They don't have that great of a basketball conference. Like, Florida's in the SEC, and they're projected as a 10 seed. They might be the third-best team in the SEC. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, God, I love the map update. That whole thing about the map on Twitter is fantastic. Yeah. And for, unfortunately, it looks like, you know, Auburn should win a lot of their games. So it'll probably like stay the same or, you know, we lose and Auburn just has the whole map or something like that. Yeah. But it was it was more fun when it was like eight teams. Then it was six. Then it was four. Then <laughs> yeah. it was three. Then it was two. It was more fun when it was that. Now it's not really, you know, fun anymore. It's just I still follow Auburn to see if like they lose first, so we have the whole map, but it's not as fun when there was like ten teams that yeah, kept going down yeah. like eight, six, five, yeah, four. Yeah. It was a lot of fun actually when we did that. Yeah. It's that just, was fun. It was just something fun to root for, you know, beyond just the game itself. So Wednesday night at Laramie, mm-hmm. what's tip off? Maybe like probably six o'clock. Pacific, six o'clock, yeah. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's something to look forward to in a couple of days. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave, thanks for joining me again, man. Thanks for having me. I love these conversations, and there's so much to cover. So we'll have you back here maybe in a few weeks, and and by then maybe we'll be at or right after the Super Bowl, and we'll see how things are going. Yeah, hopefully right before spring training starts, they'll be back on here. Oh yeah, and, and then they'll have to come on, you know, of course before opening day. Well, we'll break it down. Maybe we'll get the whiteboard out here. We can maybe chart out the roster and and have some fun with it. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Baseball was my first love, and, you know, I've always been a diehard Padres fan, and I think they have the best long-term outlook they've ever had in my lifetime. Well, 98, they went to the World Series, but that was a one-year thing. Yeah. And I was, you know, a baby then, so I don't remember any of it. <laughs> Let's just say since I've been a fan, this is definitely their best long-term outlook. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, even when they were good, like when I was first a fan, you know, mid-2000s, to mid you know, it was always a year-to-year thing. They didn't have, like, right. looking forward. It was always a year-to-year thing. Yes. Like, we got Giles these two years. We got Klesko these two years. We got PB these three. Hoffman yeah. these two, three. You know, it was never, like, a long-term outlook like they got now, so... It's pretty exciting stuff. Like, even if they don't, like, make the playoffs this year, if they take another step forward and have a real special year in 2021, I'll take that, too. Better than the last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely do a big-time preview of the team. I think there's going to be a couple more moves still coming. Well, we'll uh, see what happens. Maybe yeah. if they can, you know, attach 
a prospect that's good, but not you know somebody we'd cry, somebody we cry over losing to get rid of Myers and sign like an Ozuna or something like that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Maybe AJ's got something on his sleeve. I mean, we had two big signings in February the last two previous two off seasons. So that's right. Let's see what AJ's got up his sleeve before you know the spring training games start. Exactly. All right, man. Well, thanks, David. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, go Aztecs. Yeah, go Aztecs. 